Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today, as we continue, I, I hope that you're, we gave you those donuts so to help you stay awake and stay alert and stay alive. So we have those. I saw people saying, can I go back for seconds? I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. But as we begin today, today we're obviously, we're here, we're talking about Easter. And one of the key scriptures that, that, uh, that we, we go to is found in the Gospel of Luke. It's in Luke chapter 24. And you can read it up here. You can do it on your phone. We also, on a church center app, there's a little button on the bottom that says Sunday morning. All of my notes are there. Scriptures are there. All that fun stuff. Links you'll find in there as well. But in Luke 24, uh, Dr. Luke, he says it this way. He says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. But then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, from the dead. So Lord, we pray that you would bless your words today. And God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations, the very things I think about be pleasing in your sight. Let your word go forth today to breathe your life and your power. And everyone said together, I heard that amen. 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 So what are we celebrating today? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. We're celebrating Easter. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I found that in talking to people many times, that when we talk about it, it's almost like a, yay, he's alive, almost as if I prayed for somebody that was in the hospital that was sick and now they're better. It just seems to be a very casual thing that we kind of let go. But there's, there's so much more to this. So today, I, I thought it would be helpful just to, just to remind ourselves. You know, the Bible talks about the importance of reminding ourselves of these truths, of these things. So I wanted to spend just very quickly going through the backstory because it's the backstory that makes even a greater significance what we're celebrating today with Easter. Because when we look at the backstory, we recognize that everything we see has been created by God. Everything. And he, not only that, he created it out of nothing. It's the word that we use, ex, ex nihilo, which means out of nothing that, that God created. I mean, we can recreate stuff. We can get wood. We can get all these, these elements and kind of put them together. God created out of nothing. He spoke, and it was there. He, he, he formed the elements. He pulled the materials together. He set up systems that we see through science that are in order. All of this was created by God. And when we look at Scripture, we see that after he created the entire world, then he created us, humans. He created every human has been created by God. And the reason why God did this is because one of the great descriptors of who God is, the Bible says that God is love. Not that God does loving things, but he is love. He's the creator of love. This is one of the key things in describing who he is. And so God, he created all this world. He created everything around us. Then he creates humans. And we see that God gave creation to humanity to be stewards of this. It was, it was this incredible gift that we were given to walk through it. And he would, he would walk through the garden. And, and just this, this amazing, amazing system was set up. But... How many of you, you've ever gotten a gift and you messed it up, right? You've messed it up. I remember my, uh, my sister one Christmas, she was really excited about getting a, a pogo stick, but before, who knows what a pogo stick is, first of all, <laughs> you know, right? You get on it, I know. Uh, these, these are toys that were not electronic, and, it was, and she was excited to get it, 
And before she even got to do one jump, my dad said, like a lot of dads do, I'll show you how to do it. And on his first jump, there was a weight rating on it, and the whole thing snapped in half. And, and in a minute, it was messed up. And not to use my dad as an illustration, but a lot of times, let's say the point, we get gifts, and sometimes we mess them up, we break them. And this is what happened with, with creation. We, we, we got greedy. There was just one rule in the garden, and we broke it. And the essence of the rule was that we were tempted to be greedy because we wanted to be God. We wanted to be in control. We wanted to, to be like God. We're all made in the image of God, but we want to be God. And so the one rule that we had, we broke. And because of this, what happened is what the Bible calls sin came into the world. Now, sin is just is, is the choosing to not align our lives with God. Anything that is out of alignment with God, the Bible refers to as sin. And the result of all of this is that everything fell out of alignment. You know, our bodies no longer live for, forever. Uh, you know, sickness and death comes in. The Bible says that the ground was cursed. I mean, we can still garden, but boy, it's a lot harder. Don't you wish that the garden would just be a lot easier, right? You know, um, you know pain and suffering came in, uh, broken relationships. And even instead of peace in the world, even human history set this course of lying and deceiving and, and even killing each other, you know, in all of this. And it's important, I think, that we're not fooled by all of this because it's important to recognize that God is not ignoring all of this, that God is he's a loving God, but he's also he's a very just God that seeks to put things in order and that there will always be judgment for the actions that we do. This is all part of the backstory that, that, we're, that we're talking about today. And some of these things are felt immediately, like during our lifetime, that some of the things I just talked about, but, you know, it's any time that we're out of alignment, it's almost like a car. You ever been in a car that was out of alignment and it was just kind of going down the road, right? It doesn't matter how good your stereo is, when the car is shaking like that out of alignment, you just want to get out of it. And this is why God, because he loves us, he judges sin. But there's also, there's a later judgment that's coming that when we die, when these, when these bodies stop, stop breathing and when they go away, the Bible talks about how we are made as a soul that lasts forever. We have a body but our soul was made to live forever because, again, remember, God is love. He wants to be with us forever. He wants to commune with us. His desire is to be with us. That's why he made us as eternal beings for this purpose. But when this body is done, one day we all stand before the Lord. And in that moment, that's when the justice of God comes into play in this greater way. And the hard reality of all this is that we have all sinned. You know, I've sinned, you've sinned, every human has sinned. And and Paul talks about this in Romans 3 when he says, everyone has sinned and everyone's fallen short of the glory of the Lord. But there's this hard truth that because God is love, he's, he's also a God of justice. And, and some, again, he's not ignoring it. He's not okay with the stupid things that Dwayne does. And he's not slow, but he, because he loves us, the Bible says that he's, he's not slow, that he's patient. Because he loves us. Second Peter says it this way. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. He says, no, he's being patient because he doesn't want anyone to suffer. He doesn't want anyone to be separated from him. He wants, he wants everyone to have, have this opportunity to be reconciled to him. So our sin, whether through commission or omission, it's so destructive, so God must judge it. But because he's loving he gave us this other great gift. And this is why Easter is so exciting because we messed up this first gift. But because, as the Bible says, because he loves us, 
he gave us this other gift. In Romans 6, it says the wages of sin, in other words, because of our actions, it's we die to ourselves because we've put our lives in out of alignment with our creator. But I love how Paul says, he says, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of this gift, in spite of our rejection, in spite of all this stuff, the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups, God has given us this way. He's given us this great gift of Jesus. And this is a scripture that we used to see a lot at games. And we even had a banner man back in the 90s. I don't know what happened to that guy. But he would often put up John 3.16 where John 3.16, it says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, that ongoing life. It says that God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And this is incredible. This is incredible because we we were given this gift, we broke it, and then God comes in and he creates now this other way to be reconciled because of his great love for us. And because of his great love for us, he wants to be reconciled. I think that's why Jesus spent a lot of time explaining the word believe because it talks about in the scripture in Jesus' words, whoever believes in him. You know, that, but believe is a very important word. It's a word that Jesus spends a lot of time going in because sometimes we can be fooled and think, you know, believing just means that I agree, you know. But I mean, have you ever gone to, sorry kids, have you ever, ever gone to a kid and said, kid, do you know what the right thing is to do? And they shake their head. And then how many have been the kid that didn't do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know this is right. I know I shouldn't have that fifth donut. But I want the donut. See, we, we can agree, but our actions can mean something totally different because we ultimately want to get whatever we want. So believing is not just about agreement, but we've been talking about through, through this whole series that led up to this through the Lenten season, that when Jesus talked about believing, he laid it in a mark. He said, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself, right? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and it's that active following and pursuing of Christ. He, and Jesus, again, with the whole flip upside down that we talked about even during worship, if you, Jesus told them over and over again, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, if you surrender it back to Jesus, you will gain something like you've never, ever imagined, more than you can imagine, more than you can hope for. See, knowing and walking with Jesus is so important, so important, that God even, when we look at his scripture, it's what Paul says that the evidence is undeniable, that there's no excuse for not knowing who Jesus is because creation testifies to it, all these things. See, the evidence of, of Christ and who he is is one of the most overwhelming things that we have throughout history. The evidence of Jesus, his life, his miracles, his deity, being, being God, his, his crucifixion, his resurrection, this is actually one of the most backed up points that we have in human history, not just the Bible that we have, but throughout documented history. The eyewitness accounts, uh, the documentary evidence, which we have vast resources of reliable documented accounts. Again, not just the Bible, beyond the Bible that account for who he is. And then there's this corroborating evidence between all the research that's out there that it all points to Jesus. And then the scientific evidence, the archaeological evidence, and there's so many things that I could make this into a class today, but have you heard of Google? So much is out there. Now, you've you got to dig through to find the truth. But, I mean, it's all out there. And, 
And the, the amazing thing about this is that when we read and when we study all this evidence, when we study the life of Jesus, we see even the things that were prophesied, told about him before he came. He fulfilled it all. He did it all. He taught scripture with authority, and he had insight like no one else have. And, and this should have satisfied the teachers of the law of that day. They were praying for this. He performed miracles. He, he, he fed the hungry. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He, even, he raised the dead. These were actual real things. He commanded the storms of nature to cease. I wish I had that when I was kayaking, okay? He had knowledge of the future. He even knew what was in someone's heart when he walked up to them. And he spent time with everyone. Someone that's powerful, man, you'd be like, you know, put them in government, put them in these places. But in all of this, he spent time with the rich. He spent time with the poor. He spent time with the healthy. He spent time with the sick. He spent time with the religious, with the non-religious. Whether or not you agreed with him, he spent time with you. He spent time with you. He didn't cancel anybody, Jew, Greek, male, female. There was no favoritism. He was unlike anybody, and he drew in the marginalized and all of this, it's really, it's documented. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's overwhelming when you, when you really dig into this. And as it relates to today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who have studied it, those who go into the research, those who go into the evidence, atheists who have dove into this have found that the resurrection is the ultimate proof of Jesus and it's one of the most provable facts about Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is one of the most provable facts about Jesus Christ. And again, archaeology repeatedly affirms the accuracy, the New Testament's accuracy and claims of Jesus. The historical evidence, the scientific, the medical, all these things that we could, that there are classes, there are degrees in this stuff that you can just dive into. And even today, when I read from Luke, do you know that Luke has been backed up and affirmed by both conservative as well as liberal scholars? People who don't believe in Jesus, they say, yeah, Luke was accurate. Like, well, doesn't make sense, does it? This is the accuracy. This is the foundation that we stand on. And even following his death, over 500 people interacted with Jesus once he was risen from the dead. And they came to him, they got close to him, they, they ate with him. He made breakfast for his disciples. Imagine what that was like. He went to Thomas and said, Thomas, feel the nails, feel the holes. What is it going to take, Thomas, for you to believe? I'd be like, give me a hug, buddy, come on. What, what do you need? That's not in the Bible, but I'm a hugger. And the thing is, if you look for it, you'll find it. If you study it, you'll be amazed. It's, it's all out there. But yet... We struggle with believing at times. There are many who disbelieve, and even at times, those of us who follow the Lord, there's, there's still times that we're like, yeah, I know it's true. <laughs> why do we struggle? With all this overwhelming evidence, with all this, why do we choose disbelief? Even back in Jesus' day, there were people who saw him. There were people that knew he raised Lazarus from the dead, and religious leaders still wanted to kill Lazarus because it was supporting who Jesus was. They were just wanting to suppress him, and they just couldn't come to terms with it. Why would we do this? Well, when it comes to accepting truth, whether it's truth of Jesus or just truth, human history, it's proven that Logic is not always enough to accept reality. Would we agree with that? <laughs> Would anybody disagree that we don't always use logic out there, right? And many examples are going through. 
where there's a sports team that the logical play would have been this, but instead of passing, you tried to run it across, you know, whatever. You know, I know that brings up old hurt for people, but whatever it may be. We don't always lean into logic. Why is that? Well, when you look at what causes people to reject truth and reality in our lives, one of the areas that the Bible, as well as even psychology, will point to, one of the things that kind of causes us to not look into logic is this big word. What's that word? Motive. It's a big word called motive. And as much as we want to believe that we are all people of reason, we're smart people, Seattle's one of the most educated cities in the world, and they let me in, okay? Uh, But those who study human behavior, they found that although we humans were known to use logic, that everyone at some point in time, they succumb to an even greater force in our decision-making, and it's this word motive, motive. And what we found is that if our motives are not in the right place, our motives can make us think things and ultimately do things that would otherwise we would not even entertain doing. I mean, every stupid accident was always followed by, what was I thinking? How many have ever, ever done that? Have you ever done, what was I thinking? And the, the answer to that is, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't thinking, or you wouldn't have done it. A million examples from my life come into my mind, but I'm going to just keep going on. <laughs> have you ever seen that picture out there? where you line up a bunch of kids, and there's a ramp. This is back when kids used to play outside. You get a bunch of people laid down, and you get a ramp, and somebody on this old 1980s heavy bike goes, let's see how many kids I can jump over. I have been both the kid laying down and the kid riding the bike. Come back next week for more, okay? Motive. Motive is so important that even in the court of law, right, and if you've watched any of the crime stories, movies, whatever, what do lawyers always try to look to to find out who was guilty? Motive. What was the motive? If we can find the motive, we can find the perp. We can find the person who was guilty. See, motive is so important because motive, whatever our motive is, good or bad, it directs our actions. And, and you know, way back in 1961, uh, Dr. David McClellan, he, he, he did this famous study that many have built on, but when we go back to this, he, we, we, we see the study that he developed that was known as motivation theory. Motivation theory. This was really interesting to me. Motivation theory states that each one of us, we are primarily triggered by one of three motives. Okay? All of us, every human. Okay? That's my Joyzy accent. I'm not from there. Um, but we're all motivated by three motivators. Achievement, right? It's that success thing. Affiliation, that's like friendships. We're, we're, we're guided and we're directed by friends around us. And power. And power doesn't always mean you just want to be the big chief. It just means I want to be in control. There's that control thing, right? So achievement, that's getting things done. Success, it's hitting your sales numbers or whatever your numbers are in your life, right? It's hitting those numbers, that sense of achievement, whether it's likes on social media or whatever it may be. We're motivated. That's a key motivator. Affiliation, that's having good friendships, it's having a place of belonging. It's, it's wanting to be liked by others. This, this is often one of the key motivators to where even we've seen the study just play out forever that a lot of times it's not so much what we read in a book, but what does my friend think? And we've all fallen victim to that. Or you know what? I know this is the right way, but I'm tired of being alone. I want to be liked. How many like being liked? I do. I hope you like me right now. That's my confession time. (laughs) 
right? This is a big one, right? When, because when we don't have it, when this is our key motivator, when we don't have the relationship opportunities, I mean, how many movies have been made about crazy things that people would do because of a relationship that under normal circumstances they would never do? Big motivator. The third one that Dr. McCullen talks about is power. This is control. This is having influence over others or even ourselves. And this was a challenge, especially for the Pharisees that we've been talking about. See, the Pharisees, they like the idea of having a Messiah. They like the idea of having the Savior. But they also liked the power they had in the absence of a Messiah. See, they enjoyed being the Savior for the people. And when we look through Scripture, we see that they enjoyed that power so much, they enjoyed being the Messiah so much that when the real Messiah showed up, they felt threatened. Because they liked it going, man, thank you for that word of wisdom. Oh, thank you for giving, thank you for what you did today. Thank you for doing that. And then even today, we would call it a Messiah complex where we try to get in that place of, oh, Pastor Dwayne, that was so good today. Oh, you know, all those things. And, and the problem is when we do that, when that becomes the motivation, we, we fall in this trap where logic is, is gone. Now, are all motivations bad? No. It takes some motivation sometimes to get out of bed. I'm glad you all got out of bed today. Maybe the donut was your motivation. Maybe the dinner that's happening later was your motivation. Whatever it may be. Maybe the dog looking you in the face was your motivation. See, healthy, well-placed motivation is good. It helps us press through. It helps us engage. It helps us to go and to do the things that we want to do. The passions are inside of us. But when the motivations get off, they can cause us to be what one of my favorite authors, Alicia Sholey, calls chronic revisionists. I asked, actually, I, I sent Alicia a Starbucks card this week. I'm like, I'm quoting you so much, I feel like I need to buy you coffee. So I sent her a gift card. And here's what she says. She says, the motivational root of revisionism seems to be either the fear of losing power or the compulsion to avoid pain. She continues to write, she says, both are pursuits of control. Pain avoiders change the story to absolve themselves from responsibility. How many of you have been guilty of that? They revise history because the weight of reality is too crushing to bear. Power seekers revise history to maintain their dominant status. Either way, revisionism starts with a desired outcome and then works backward to fabricate an origin story. In other words, truth is created retroactively, which obviously makes no truth at all. Revisionism is a deadly form of self-deception, a formidable foe of intimacy with God. I think for many of us, we may have seen this to where, whether it's in pain, pain and the problem of pain that C.S. Lewis so famously wrote about is often one of the big decision makers in a road. Because we think if God was good, he wouldn't let me go through pain. And now I'm going through this pain. It's a deep pain. It's, I don't understand the pain. And because of the pain, we start to walk away from who God is. And we've all been there. Or friendships. And the, French, the pain of losing friendships. And man, COVID just seemed to be a friendship destroyer, didn't it? <laughs> right? We're all in recovery. <laughs> And we walk through this, 
And Jesus doesn't ignore our pain. He's promised to walk with us. He's promised to be with us. He's promised to walk through. And James even says, count it all joy because we're going to take this pain. Jesus didn't bring you the pain, but he's going to use it for good in your life if your motivation will be there, if you will trust him, if you'll walk it through. And if anything but a finger snap will continue to make you to trust him and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I know people that they've walked through years of loneliness because they weren't willing to compromise and it was painful and saying, God, where are you? But see, we don't start with, with an end story and back up to make this make right. We start here and say, God, I choose you this day. I know that you have my future and I'm going to walk in trust with you. Amen. When we get there, then that, the aha is at the end, not at the beginning. The aha happens here. The, yes, it was good. Yes, I trusted you. Yes, I walked through. Yes. And with each step as we trust him. That's why truth is so important. That's why we know that all truth is God's truth. Because God made everything. And that's why it's so important because God's word continually reveals to us that it's the truth. It's the truth of God. Everything that he's done, who he is, who he promises to be, It is this truth, the truth, that sets us free, so much so that when we separate ourselves from the truth, we separate ourselves from Jesus and the true freedom that comes from him. That's why Jesus said, look, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, his truth, truth that we have to trust, truth that we have to walk through going, I trust you today. The Bible calls that faith. Faith is a substance of hearing the hope of things hoped for. We hear him. We go through. We go, Jesus, I know you're alive. I know it's there. And I'm going to walk along knowing that there may be things that don't make sense, but I know who you are. I know that you know. And I know that I'm often on a need-to-know basis. Because there are things that if I, looking back now on what God has done, if I had known all along the way, so many opportunities for me to mess it up. So many opportunities to mess it up because I wasn't ready for it. But Jesus comes along hand by hand saying, trust me, trust me. In the end it makes sense, but this is when you need to go through. Because the danger that we have when any motive gets in front of Christ is that we're in trouble. And I recognize this is an extremely sobering thought for so many of us today. See, I've walked with people, I've talked with family, I've talked with so many people that when I've laid this out before them, do you know what the the response has been to me? Conversations I had years ago, it was this, but it began to soak in, began to soak in, began to soak in. They lived a little bit of life, and they come back to me two years, three years, five years, ten years later, and in a sobering moment, they look at me and say, Dwayne, If this is true, I'm in a lot of trouble. If this is true, I've done a lot of stuff. If this is true. Do you know what my answer is to everybody? It is true. And if you don't do anything, if I don't do anything, yeah. The path is, it's a bad, dark, destructive path. 
but you're one step away from getting back to Jesus. You're one step away from getting back to the hope of Christ because of this gift of Jesus, that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how deep those hooks are in you, no matter what pain you're going through, no matter what you've done, the gift of Jesus Christ is that though may, I may have spent my whole life walking that way, the minute I turn around and I take one step towards Jesus, he's right here. See, I've been ignoring Jesus, but he hasn't been ignoring me. You may have been ignoring Jesus, but he's not been ignoring you. He's been waiting for this moment. He's been waiting for this time to move in your life. Whether you've never served him, he's there waiting. Because you're his son, you're his daughter. We don't give up on our sons and daughters, do we? We're right there. They have free choice. But the whole time we're praying that they would come alive to the truth of Christ. And then when they turn, what do we do? We're like, I'm ready. That's where Jesus is. If you've never served him, that's your opportunity today. He's not going to turn you around. You've got to turn around and follow him. The other group, maybe you're someone that you're following Jesus, but it's, you got one foot in the boat, one foot out. Have you ever seen somebody with one foot in the boat, one foot out? Not for long. <laughs> one, foot in, one foot in, one foot out, you fall over. One foot in, one foot out, you dump the boat of your loved ones in with you sometimes. I grew up around the ocean. You get in, you get out. Because you hurt people around you when you're just halfway, you hurt yourself. Jesus is saying, are you ready to get all the way in? Are you ready to plant your feet? Are you ready to, instead of doing a look towards Jesus, sometimes, sometimes we, we, we follow Jesus going this way, we keep looking back and we just want to keep him in sight so we, he doesn't get too far away. He's saying, no, are you ready to do a complete turn to trust me, to hand everything over, to follow the truth? It's all out there. I've got books I'll give you. <laughs> Today's your day. Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you for your word. You are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. And Lord, I pray that it would be revealed to us today. Reveal your heart to us today. It takes a response. It's, it's not just a, a thought. Faith without works is dead. Love is an action. See, we know that one day Jesus will wipe away every tear. He'll dry every eye. He'll, the crying will be gone forever. But in this life, in this time, this is the opportunity that you have. And maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, Pastor Wayne, as you were speaking, I began to resonate with some of those motives. Is the main motive in your life friendship? Is the main motive in your life power? Is it success and all that? Jesus is saying, give that to me. Give that to me. Surrender to Jesus. And if you're today and you're like, you know what, I want to give it to Jesus, would you just raise your hand, Christian or non-Christian, wherever you are, you're just like, I want to give everything to Jesus, my motives, my false thoughts, everything. I want to receive the truth of Christ. And if this is your response today, I, I, I just, I'd like to lead you in this prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. And if you've got your own words, use your own words. But if not, you, you can just pray with me. And I think it would be good for all of us to pray today if you want to. 
But if you want to surrender to Jesus, just, just repeat after me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you gave your life for me. Forgive me of ignoring you. Forgive me of not trusting you. Forgive me for not following you. But today I choose you, Lord. I give you my life. Everything. Take my life. Use it for you, O oh God. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Heal me of the pain. Heal me of my hurts so that I might live for you in Jesus' name. Now I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you just thank the Lord for his work today, for what he's doing in your life? We give you thanks, O God. We give you thanks, O Lord. We give you thanks, O Lord. You know, today, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or that was, that's your daily prayer, the team has this wonderful song they're going to lead us. And let me encourage you on Easter Sunday. We have so many ways to, to respond. We have communion tables over here. This is a reminder of Jesus' death and resurrection. There's instructions over there. Or you can go as a family. You can go with somebody who brought you. That's a great way of just rededicating your life to him. We have prayer walls. Maybe you want to go over and write it out. I gave my life to Jesus today. I surrendered to you today. Or Lord, take this motive away from me that's leading me. We also have people that would love to pray with you. That you can go to in confidence and say, would you pray for me today? Maybe you need healing today. Maybe as you're walking it out, you're like, yes. I want to walk in this way, but I'm, I'm still dealing with this pain or I'm still dealing with this, or I've got some questions. These people would love to pray with you. Go with them or turn to someone next to you and say, would you pray with me? Let's take these, few, these last few moments in this service to respond and to give it to the Lord. Amen? Let's respond today. Father, thank you for loving us enough that Though we broke the first gift, God, you came back and you gave us the ultimate gift in Jesus to reconcile us, to empower us, to strengthen us. And now, Lord, I pray that we would walk from this Easter, not just like any in the past, but, God, that it would change us. It would transform us. We'd be alive, filled with your spirit, filled with your power in our homes, in our families, in our work, wherever we are. We pray and we give you thanks in your name. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you. You know, a lot of times uh, people will walk, walk away from a day like today and then they'll try to step out and then they'll feel kind of nervous. Do you know that the greatest things in my life have begun with me taking steps in places that I was nervous? I was very ner I was nervous on my wedding day. And you're like, who would be nervous with this person? I was nervous first day of school. I was nervous first day on the job. I was nervous. All these things. But what do we do? We press through because we walk in obedience to the Lord. And we see the Lord work in that. As you walk, you're going to be tempted to quit. You're going to be tempted to pull back. You're going to say, I feel nervous. I'm like, well, celebrate. The greatest things happen in the moments when we feel nervous and we step out and we say, Lord, I'm walking in obedience. I'm walking in trust. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to figure this out with you. You are the truth. You're the truth that sets me free. You're the way I want to walk in that life today. Be sure to connect. If you gave your life to the Lord today or you took a new step or you rededicated it, tell somebody. I'd love to hear, share the story, commit to it, and say, yes, I'm standing in this today so that we can walk 
in this new way. In this new way. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Again, if you're new, whatever, make sure you fill out a connection card. We'd love to know that you're here. Whether you like me or not, I'm glad you're here. So, <laughs> as we go forward, uh, thank you for being here. This is our benediction. We say this today. And as we leave, if you see a donut and you've had one already, that's your second donut waiting for you right there, okay? <laughs> Be sure to grab that. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus.